Hey, this is Maya. And I'm Stephanie. And you're listening to The What Project. Where you'll hear inspiring stories of hope. Hey everyone, welcome back to The What Project. We are so glad that you're here listening with us again for this episode. I am very excited. I have my good friend Tisha. Hey Tisha. Hey Steph. And we are going to taco about Jesus. Talking about tacos, my friend Tisha has an amazing catering business and she makes amazing tacos. Like, seriously, they are so good. (laughs) So Tisha, if you only could have one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? That's a tough one. So is this all? We can eat for the rest of our life? Yes. Oh, I would probably say watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and why? It's refreshing. It's sweet. It's not too heavy. Yeah. You can only have so many tacos. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I can only have so many tacos. <laughs> I think I would pick fajitas only because you get all the sides with the fajitas so you can mix and match. Oh, good idea. Tricky. You're picking a food that has multiple (laughs) foods in it. Yes. (laughs) I have no idea how to answer that question. (laughs) I don't know what I would pick. If that's ever a reality in my life, I'll probably just have to pick whatever comes to mind first. Oh, no, no, no. I'd pick Jesus because he's the bread of life. (laughs) (laughs) So segueing out of that, Tisha, we came here to hear your story. So can you share with us your God story? Where did it start? That's a good question because I I think I've been having like an off and on relationship with God since I was little. My parents or my mom. She was raised Catholic, so brought up Catholic, but not, I don't want to say a religious household because we would only go on holidays and she would have crosses all over the house, but never really practiced. So I always knew about Jesus or God, but never really knew, I guess, had a relationship with him. So it was more of a religious kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different things that popped up to where I wanted to find out more and I wanted to learn more. Like we would have these big tent services coming to Vegas. And I always told my mom, I was like, we need to take my brother to go because he could be healed because my brother was hearing impaired. And my mom always said, if he wanted to heal him, he wouldn't have made him that way in the first place. And so I could always reach for the faith, but then I would get shot down. So it was kind of like a push and pull type thing in the household when Jesus was brought up. So it's almost like she tried, but her traumatized childhood wouldn't let her make that next step of having a relationship with him. So kind of what age was that? Oh, gosh, I was I was a teenager, so it was probably 15, 15, 16-ish. 
And you were living in Las Vegas at the time? Yep. Mm-hmm. So these tent revivals came in frequently. Were they associated with the church that your mom took oh, you gosh, to sometimes? No. no, it was just a different, you just happened to notice it and kind of Yeah, I would hear about them all the time. And um, I mean, if you're ever growing up Catholic, that's almost like a no-no to go away from the church and try something new and, you know, not focus on the way that they teach and how they teach the Bible. So so I was definitely jumping out on a limb there. And and it was a few times that I said we should take Andrew. And I, I think I almost took him once myself when I was able to drive. But I don't know what happened where it just didn't happen. So after your teenage years, did things change when you got out of your parents' home? I had a lot of soul searching to do. I did grow up in a household with abuse and neglect and rejection and abandonment and, you know, the whole slew of words that kids could go through when <laughs> when you're young. And mine started when I was probably young, like the earliest I remember is five. But yeah, it was a tough road getting to where I was able to heal bits and pieces of myself and actually reach out to find out who this Jesus was. Sure. So was that something that happened in adulthood then? Yeah. Yep. Yep. After I had my kids, um, actually Bianca, my first one, is probably when I started focusing more on my faith and my healing and what that all meant because I didn't want my kids to grow up the way I did. So I was like, I have to change something. I just don't know what it is. I often say that when you get married, it teaches you a lot about yourself when you get refined. And mm -hmm. then when you have kids, it happens again. Again. <laughs> but see, I did it. I, I did it backwards. I had my daughter first and then I got married. So yeah, the journey that I went on was just all kind of backwards to get to Jesus, but it was a journey nonetheless. So when you went on this journey, did you start going to a church? Did you, how did that journey start? Was it just kind of more internal? It was definitely more internal because I didn't know where or how to start. Sure. Like I didn't have anybody pouring into me of the word or the relationship aspect or even being a mentor to navigate a relationship with God. So I pretty much had to learn it myself. And in the meantime, like I was struggling big time with suicidal thoughts and uh, my marriage was struggling. I was struggling to know how to parent because I didn't have good role model parents to know how to parent. So I was struggling just all around. Was there like resources that you used? You know, I think I remember having a Bible and just peeking at it every once in a while. But other than that, it was really funny how it happened. After Stefan was born, my second child, we had this opportunity to move and so that's really when I started my journey with knowing more about God 
We got plugged into a church after the move. And we were there for a good five years. And I was just learning. I was, you know, I got plugged into servicing and just being what I thought a person of God should be. It's just like pouring into the church and, you know, pouring into people. I've always done that, pouring into people and trying to be a good role model. But that's where it really started. Sure. Do you remember what sparked your interest in faith? Like you said, you kind of had a traumatic upbringing, but there was like that longing. Do you remember what you were looking for? I do remember when I was probably 12 years old. And my childhood was really rough. And so I ended up trying to take a bottle of pills. And that night, it was pretty tough. I think a few people came into my room, and all I remember is like them being super blurry. Like I could see them, but I wasn't coherent after this. And I was just like, I, I can't, I can't do it anymore. I can't be here anymore. I can't. I can't deal with the abuse and just feeling like you're a kid. You're not supposed to have to go through that stuff. It's like your parents are supposed to protect you and love you and, you know, bring you up in a way that you're going to be successful in life, not tear you down and abuse you and neglect you. And so I ended up taking the bottle of pills and just hoping that it was just going to be over. And so my mom came in the room and I forget, I think she yelled at me because I didn't do the dishes or something. I didn't do something to clean up or something. And I could barely lift my head. So you would think for a mom, I would notice something was up with my kid and she just slammed the door. Mm. And somebody else came in and, you know, probably thought I was sleeping or something and then shut the door. But at that point, you know, I woke up the next morning. I It was like a hangover from I don't even know what. But I was there and I was like, okay, if I'm here, I'm here for a reason. And that is when I kind of figured out, like, you know, if there is a God, then he has me here for a reason and he like almost like pleading show me why show me why I'm here and what I'm supposed to be doing because this ain't it so that was how I knew something was out there I just didn't know what and then when we moved to Faribault my marriage was on the rocks like we were pretty much about ready to separate and divorce and just hearing a message, I don't even remember what the message was. It's almost like that message sparked something in me to where I had to trust him. And if he's all that I have left, then that's all I need. So, Yeah, so it brought you to that place of humility where mm-hmm. you, it was like you knew Jesus was there. Yeah, it was kind of that decision moment of, am I going to trust him? Yeah. And I always said, like, like looking back on it now, um, my journey, he knew that 
my husband, Dondi, was what I needed to be able to survive. Because if I didn't have him, then I probably would not have made it. Yeah, so you can see God's hand was at work, even though in the moments you didn't really, couldn't articulate what it was. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's really difficult things that you went through, and I'm sorry that you did. That's, you know, not what God intends for a family unit, as you know, and not how he wants us to treat Mm -hmm. each other. But unfortunately, that is a reality for a lot of people. Yeah. For someone who might, even a child who might be in a position like you were in, is there anything that you feel like you could encourage them with? Oh, absolutely. Just find somebody that they know and that they can trust to talk to. And this person, whoever it is, can be able to pour into their heart because that's really what they're missing. They're missing somebody who's going to pour into them because kids at that age are so vulnerable. And especially if they're going through traumatic things at home, the vulnerability is sometimes really just takes over. So find somebody that they know and trust to be able to talk to and and get loved up on. Yeah, that's good. And I think that's a reminder for all of us too to be just on the lookout for people that we can pour into and love mm-hmm. and care for and, you know, even just stand up for and participate in their life to help encourage them because sometimes you can't solve some of the problems but being there with someone and you know being even just a safe place for them to be really is a reflection of christ and you know he is that source of hope and peace for us like that verse that says that we can you know love because he first loved us and we can we can be that for someone else, even if we can't change their circumstances completely. Yeah. That's exactly why I got into the field that I did with teaching and mental health and just being there for children when nobody could be there for me. At least with me, they're with me for eight hours a day. And I know they're going to get a ton of love and, you know, they're going to be fed right. And They're going to get all their basic necessities on top of the love of God. Like, even though we can't talk about the word or whatever, we can still show God's love through other things. So that's exactly why I got into the field that I did. Yeah. To be an advocate for them when they can't be one for themselves. Yeah, that's awesome. So going back to your time in Faribault and, you know, you kind of got plugged into a Bible-believing church and... Was that kind of your first exposure to God's word in a literal Mm -hmm. sense where you opened the Bible and read it? Yep. And from then I got into Bible studies. I started journaling. I learned about worship music. It was all kinds of things we were, um, my family was learning about because it was my family's first real experience too. Because when I started having my kids, I made it a point to and I've told Stephanie this many times, made it a point to make it so they did not have the life that I had. Like I was breaking these generational curses right now when I had my kids because my mom went through the same stuff. And so when she had her kids, she just was not, I mean, she her, her soul was broken. She didn't have a way of 
knowing how to love or how to parent or how to do anything like to grow up a family in the way that they should have been brought up. So when I brought all the things to her about my dad, she didn't know how to handle any of it. That's when I was like, that's it. My kids are going to grow up in a different environment. They're going to they're going to have a happy environment where they're able to talk and laugh and you know, my home is going to be a home of peace and and worship music and you know, just the love of God and sometimes they don't like it and they're just now starting to even talk about God, which I'm just like, "Oh my lord, this is so awesome." It's pretty cool to watch. Just see how everything we've worked so hard for to to make a change in our future generations is starting to to manifest itself. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, so you're starting to see that fruit from that yeah. relationship where you found Christ and that peace and yeah. that hope and that love. And now, you know, you're seeing the change it's made in your family. Mm-hmm. So when you moved up here, did your mom move with you or did you move? To, okay, so your mom and your brother. Yeah, it was my mom, my brother, actually all my brothers, all three brothers. And then it was me, my husband, Two kids, and I was pregnant with my third. Yeah, so it was a big move. It was a huge move. And to think I was going to be spending however long in a home with my mother was, like, super stressful. Because <laughs> 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 we, when we came up here, we only rented one house, and the house was run down. It was awful. It was awful. It was an awful move. We moved in the middle of February oh. to Minnesota. Yeah, that's a big change from, from <laughs> Las <Atta>. Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking the lowest we get is 30 over there. And mid-February is probably one of the coldest months. And I'm like, that was not the best idea <laughs> at all. Uh, so as you were going to this church, do you kind of remember as you first heard the gospel and kind of what your thought process was as you started to kind of hear what God had done for you and the details of it. How did you interpret that and like soak it in? It was hard. It was really hard at first because I'm seeing all these words in this book and I'm like, okay, how, how does this work? The Bible's huge. So when you're going to try and process little things here and there of what you're reading, it doesn't hit you. Like, it's almost like you're just reading, just reading out of a book. It's then when you get, after a while, you get filled with God and the Holy Spirit. And then you're able to process the stories a little bit more and process the word a little bit easier. But until then, man, that was hard trying to figure out the Bible, what it meant and how to apply it to life. Because even now I still struggle. We still struggle with the flesh and trying to figure out, okay, if I'm struggling with my faith, we have to figure out all the scriptures (laughs) on faith and see how that applies to my life. And it's really just standing in the word and trying to not waver. Because that's what we are trying to figure out is like when things happen, Am I going to stand on the word or am I going to focus on the stuff that's happening in the flesh? Right. So. It's like in Hebrews where it says running the race with endurance. Uh, <laughs> you seriously. Know. Yeah, it is. But it 
<clears throat> but I think that's an important thing to acknowledge that it's something that you you stick to. Mm-hmm. You know, if you truly have faith in Christ, like it affects your life and you do go back to scripture, like you're saying, and you do try to refine and be more like Christ because that's that's the ultimate goal. You revere him and you love him and you want to, you know, interpret everything through that lens so that you can be more like him. And, you know, the Bible even talks about that being like the sign of a true believer is someone who does make those changes to be Mm Christ-like. So when you were kind of saying that, you, you noted that there was kind of a shift at one point. Were you able to kind of understand things differently because you had gotten the Holy Spirit? So did that happen for you kind of at that decision moment when you heard that sermon and you kind of knew like that you had to choose Jesus and believe in what he did? I think it happened more so when when I got baptized because it was a decision. Like I chose him regardless of what my past was like, regardless of what was going on in the present. That was my choice. And for some reason, like, and I still love baptisms to this day. Like I could bawl like a baby every single time somebody gets baptized. Like, oh, it's it's just a beautiful experience to me. But when I did it, I just literally felt everything wash, everything wash off. Doesn't mean it took everything away. And sometimes I, like I said, we always go back and forth on to things that have happened, but it was a literal physical experience for me. So that's when my life with Jesus changed because I was able to feel him and know he was there. Like it was a tangible feeling. So I was able to stand on that. And regardless of what came ahead, um, you know, because sometimes we go off and we do things and we're not journaling as much anymore and we're not in the Bible as much anymore and we're not worshiping as much anymore. But I always try to be mindful and be like, no, I have to go back to that because he is my best friend. I will talk to him literally all day and I'm constantly praying. But distractions and life just get in the way sometimes and we forget the importance of taking that time out just to be with you and him. And sometimes (laughs) that takes a lot out of me because. I have a lot going on. (laughs) I have a lot going on. But I don't want that stuff to be more important than him. Like, because he, he literally renewed my heart. So, yeah, he deserves all that. Right. And it refuels you to like go back to his word and to spend time with him and just be filled up. Yeah. Because being poured back into is so important. And. The things that we focus on in life, like finding a partner or getting a new car or buying a house, like that stuff is not going to pour into you the way you think it is. It may make you happy for a second, but it's not going to fill you up like Jesus will. Yeah. It doesn't give you purpose and meaning. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to get through to my kids. (laughs) Like, I know you're looking for all these different things and you're looking for all these different feelings, but you're not going to find it. You're not going to find it. And you know what? Eventually, all that stuff is going to fall off and you're just going to have Jesus anyway. 
It's just going to be you and Jesus. Yeah. So trying to instill in them that eventually it's just going to be you and him. So. Yeah, I was reading some scripture earlier today, and this one is coming to mind. It's Matthew 11, starting at verse 28. And it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I feel like the older I've gotten and the more life I've gone through, like how I cling to that Mm -hmm. and how, you know, just having that time with God and reading his word and, and just knowing that he is right there and you yeah. can share anything with him and he gives you purpose and meaning that really is your resting place yeah. when you're a follower of Christ and you've, you know, accepted salvation that that you go back mm-hmm. to Jesus over and over yeah. again. And that's what fuels you and keeps you going. And because yeah. life isn't always great <laughs> and things don't always go how you want. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but having that Hope and peace in that relationship with Christ is is what makes the difference. Yeah. Yeah. And that was one of my big scriptures that I stood on when I was going through a lot of stuff when we first moved here. In a lot of his word, I just found peace. So that was really what I was looking for because when you grow up with dysfunction and your life is so disorganized and chaotic and all these different things you can take that with you when you go into adulthood so my biggest thing was like i just need peace like i need to let all this go and just have peace so so that was one of my biggest scriptures that i stood on so i was just thinking about a scripture it's romans 8 and it says For to be carnally minded is death, and to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And just going back, I think it's huge to have that time in the morning. I was just reading a book, and I was just talking about practicing your morning ritual and what's the first thing that you think about when you get up. And this author kind of said, train yourself to be a friend with Jesus. She's like, usually you don't train to be a friend, but, you know, usually you're training for a marathon or something, but train yourself to be a friend with Jesus and spend that morning time with him. And it just reminds me of Romans 12, too, where it says, uh, you know, how we renew our mind daily. Mm-hmm, definitely. And through that, I think it's just like, okay, where are we setting our by? Where are we spending our time? You know, just like this scripture said, to be carnally minded, to be of the flesh and thinking of the flesh, it, it, it's death. And then to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And like I tell people, you know, if you don't have life or if you don't have peace, what are you thinking on? Yeah. Yeah. And what are you filling yourself with? I think those are things that we can so easily get distracted and now we carry, you know, these little computers around mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're tempted to grab them first thing in the morning and look at them last thing before we fall asleep. But we can so easily fill our mind with things that are not of Christ. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think 
we have to be mindful of that because it does influence us. Absolutely. You know, what are you listening to? What are you watching? What conversations are you having? And are you willing to put up boundaries to keep yourself pure? Yep. Because that also shows where your heart is. You know, if you're pursuing Christ, it is going to matter to you more than making sure you watch the latest movie. Or yeah. if you're pursuing Christ, it's going to matter more than eating the whole tub of ice cream when you know you shouldn't. Like, there's so many things like that yeah. that we encounter every day and how we choose to use our time and mm-hmm. our money and what we will watch and listen to. It shows where our heart is. Yeah, it gets tough, especially when you have, when you know you're on a walk with Christ and you know he's taking you somewhere and you have all these things that are pushing you back and attacking you and throwing wrenches in your plans or random things are popping up. Like, are we going to focus on these things that are trying to be distraction because they're being thrown at us for a reason. We may have a breakthrough coming or we may be going to a different level with Christ and the enemy's trying to stop all that. So the biggest scripture that I've been focusing on is seek first the kingdom of God and all the other things will be given to you. So I have to focus on Christ and not the things around me that are happening mm. to be a distraction because I I can be very distracted very easily. <laughs> so it doesn't take much for me. So I know I'm learning that, okay, no, that's not of God. I have to go back to him and stand on him and his word, worship and praise if that's going to get me through to not thinking about what else is going on because really it's just the enemy trying to infiltrate your your mind and your thoughts and whatever's going on. So get your mind off that stuff and mind on Christ and and he's going to work everything out. Like I know that. So I'm not, why are we worried? Like in all the other things that have happened in our life, is there ever one that has never, he's never come through? Yeah. Like he's always come through, especially in the last five, 10 years when during my walk with him, the most important part of my walk with him was stuff that where I'm being intentional and, and seeking him and trying to learn more about him and how I'm supposed to be as a child of God is just reverting back to Christ. It's like, no, I don't have the strength or the means to deal with you right now, whatever you are over here, (laughs) whatever you're trying to do, it's not going to work. So I'm like, focus on Christ and what he's doing and his word. And that always brings me back to him and his plan. And it's going to be okay because he's got it all worked out. It just has to come into the natural. So yeah, it's putting into practice what the Bible says when it says, you know, take captive every thought. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's literally moment by moment, mm-hmm. literally. <laughs> yeah, I was just having a conversation with one of my kids this week, and we were talking about character, and I said, it's something you choose. Yeah, It doesn't just happen. Like, you have to wake up every day 
And choose to be a person of character that's following Christ. Like, mm-hmm. I still have to wake up every day and do that. Your father still has to wake up every day and do that. Like, it doesn't come naturally to us to be honoring to God because we are sinful in nature. So it 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 really is something that takes effort <laughs> to be a follower of Christ. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of effort and just making those decisions mm-hmm. every second. Yeah. Yeah. Every second, because it could literally be a moment by moment basis, especially for little ones. Like they're so impulsive and they're so reactive and they don't take the time to think about that stuff. So that's why it's so important for us as parents to be able to, when they are not in their flesh, to sit down with them and be able to have those God conversations with them. Yeah. Yeah. And the Bible says, take up your cross daily. It's a daily decision. Yes, it mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've been thinking, too, how easily our theology can get off and we think that life is supposed to be comfortable. And that is just really bad theology. That is not what Scripture says. It's like the opposite, yep. you know, where Jesus says, like, they hate me. Yep. And if you're doing you're following me, yeah, they're, they're going to hate, hate you, you too. too. Mm-hmm. And we so easily, I think, in our culture, there's all this talk of love and acceptance and and all these things, and the message kind of gets skewed. And yeah. I think theology can get really off, and it's just not true what the world defines love as, and mm-hmm. it's not true what the world defines purpose as and all those things. And when you are going to follow Christ, it is going to put you at odds of everyone who isn't following Christ. And that's okay. (laughs) And his word told us that was going to happen. That's another reason we can trust God and know that he is a God of his word. But it's important for us, like you said, you just have to keep going back to Christ. You have to keep filling your mind with his Mm -hmm. word. You have to keep going back to that relationship if you're going to be able to run that race with endurance and stay faithful. Yep. It's definitely a race. So could you take us back just to kind of explain for our listeners the gospel a little bit more? You kind of had that transactional moment after that sermon where you made that decision, but can you articulate a little bit more what the gospel is and what that surrender really was. Mm -hmm. So when I got baptized, I just kind of knew that I was dying to my old self. He was washing me completely clean of all my sins, of my past, of my bad choices, just everything. And I was washed clean in what he did for us, what he did for me. He died on that cross so that I could live. And he took that burden for all my sins and all your sins. And it's just a choice. It's a choice that, you know, we could walk with him or we can walk with the enemy. And the enemy might give you what you want right now, but it comes at a price. And other than giving your heart to the Lord, he doesn't want anything. He just wants you. It's so humbling to my heart because I didn't have any of that. Like I didn't have that love. I didn't know what that love was until I met Christ. And so for me to be able to 
help somebody else find that love who never had or ever known love is huge for me. So, yeah, that's a beautiful description of the gospel to be able to be fully known and fully loved. Yeah. The only relationship where that can truly happen is a relationship with Christ. Yeah. Because everything else will fall off. Like when you're walking with God, like you said, when other people are not following God and you are, they're going to eventually fall off because they don't believe in what you're doing. They don't believe in what you're talking about or how you feel now because everything's changed. So things and people are going to fall off and you're just left with Jesus. And it's a beautiful and humbling thing. Sometimes it's hard because you've been with these people for, gosh, since you were little. But you know in your heart that it's the truth. And all you can really do is just pray for them and pray for their hearts and pray for God to touch them and touch them in a way that they are going to know that it's from him. So hopefully they don't have to go through a rough road to get and to find him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but God's heart, Scripture tells us, is that none should perish. Yeah. Like that. Ability to humble yourself before God is available for everyone. Yeah, everyone. And everyone can have forgiveness and peace and to be fully known and fully loved by their creator. And like you said, it it's just a choice. Yeah. You know, we sometimes overcomplicate it. Yeah, true. But it's such a beautiful, beautiful experience. It is. It's such a beautiful yeah. experience. And to know that... Regardless of what you have going on around you, that you have your creator, the one who knew you before you were in your mom. Like he knew us before being put in our mother. So he knew the path. He knew who we were and had our plan already created and mapped out before we were even a thought. Like that's just mind blowing to me. It's like. <laughs> You knew me before I was even a thought? Like, how cool is that? Yeah. And to know that you're chosen. Like, yeah. he chose you. You're chosen and you have purpose. And, mm -hmm. like, once you're filled with God and that love, like, it's, it's so different. Like, life is just different. Yeah. We yeah. still go through struggles. But when you lean on God and you know his word and his truth, then it makes life a little bit easier to handle. Because you're walking with him. You're not doing it alone. Right. Yeah. It's not that the storm isn't going to come. It's yeah. not that sickness won't come or nothing will ever happen in your life. But it's that you have that support yeah. system and Christ is there with you through everything that happens. And even taking it farther, like when you have the hope of eternal life, in the world's eyes, the worst thing that can happen to you is, is death. death. And I'm like, no, that's not. <laughs> no, not at all. Like, even when it comes to that, you know, there's so much hope because for us, that's a freedom from every struggle that yes. we feel. Can't and, imagine. Yeah. To be in perfection and be in God's presence, like, man, there's, there's, <laughs> there's no bad part of following Christ. Just to have hope for today and hope for tomorrow yeah. is huge. And I think you brought up earlier, too, just having the Holy Spirit. I think that's something to examine for people. Like, if you feel like you're picking up your Bible and it just, 
you just can't make sense of it. And you feel like you're just going, keeping going back to this place of wondering like, am I saved? Or how do I know? Or just all these questions. I would, I would examine it some Mm -hmm. and think it through and ask yourself, like, have you had that conversion moment where you did humble yourself Mm -hmm. and tell God that you need him and that you're a sinner and that you believe what he did through his work? on the cross and through his resurrection, because like I hear in your story and I felt it in my own life and Stephanie's talked about it, like there's no confusion when you have gotten saved, you feel it, you are changed, every fiber of your being and experiencing the Holy Spirit for the first time. It is a distinguishable event. Yep. And I can't, say who's saved and who isn't, but just from you know, all of our personal experiences here at the table, like I would just reflect a little bit on that if you don't feel like you have that moment and, mm-hmm. you know, just have a conversation with God about that. Exactly. Just ask him mm-hmm. because he'll give it to you. Mm-hmm. He wants to pour into you. So if you just ask him and pray, hey, I'm ready. No, I know you died on the cross for my sins. and. I'm ready to to follow you. So yeah, he will definitely pour it out on you. Right? If you just ask. Yeah. Seek and you shall find, right? Mhm. All right, Tisha. So if you were to look at someone who is kind of coming out of the same situation that you did, searching, what would you say to them? I would just let them know that there was somebody out there that loves them, that created them, that made them perfect in his eyes and loves them so much. Like just pour out the love on this person to let them know that there's this Jesus that died for you, literally died for you on the cross and and he died so that you could live. And I know that it's hard. And I know you're going through a whole bunch of hurt and pain and whatever it is that you've experienced. But all that can be washed away in one moment, in one touch from Jesus. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of The What Project. If you would like to stay connected, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We hope that you have a great week and that you will join us again on the next episode of The What Project. <laughs>